Anthea, I see you've joined the meeting. Would you like to do a mic check? This is Andy, do you hear me? I sure do, sounds great. Thank you. Jared, I see you've joined the meeting. Would you like to do a mic check? Mic check, check. Sounds great, thank you. To the members of the public that are joining us this evening, if you wish to speak during public comment or on an agenda item, please utilize the chat feature and send the host a chat. Let me know you would like to speak and the topic number or, um, I'm sorry, the agenda item number or topic you wish to speak on and I will generate a speaker list. Thank you.
Commissioner Muller, I see you've joined the meeting. Would you yes. like to do a mic check? Yeah, can you hear me okay? I sure can, thank you. Excellent. Just a reminder to the members of the public joining us this evening, if you wish to speak on an item, please utilize the chat feature and send the host to chat. I will generate a speaker list. Vice Chair Pizzell, I, I have not heard um, from committee member Houston that she won't be here this evening. Um, she may be having technical difficulties joining. Um, yeah, my understanding was that she would be here. Let's see if she reached out. She did not. So hopefully we do we want to give her a few more minutes. Hopefully. Sure. For what it's worth, the um, the panelist numerical password in the email I received uh, did not work. The uh, the alphanumeric one did, uh, and my email address was wrong. Now that might have been my mistake or something, but it, it didn't match the password that uh, it was set up for. So um, it it could be a number of uh, complications logging in.
I see that we've got an attendee who's calling in. It let me unmute that person and see if that's um, our missing committee member. Actually, I see committee oh. member Houston appearing now. Do you guys you see do? that on your end? Yeah. Oh, I see her. Yes. Very good. And we can't hear you. <laughs> And you are unmuted if you'd like to do a mic check. No, we cannot. Try pressing down the space bar when you speak. That is not working. Committee member Houston, would you like to call in? Okay. Do you have that call in information? Okay. <laughs> committee member Muller. Yes. So I always, I never know if you're Muller or Mueller. Is it more <laughs> of a Mueller or I want to get it right? Well, in Germany, it's Mueller. Okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, and so we'll, we'll go back to the way everyone calls me, which is uh, just plain Muller is fine. Muller. Okay, got it. Sure. Okay, I think I'm in. We can hear you. Yes. Yay. Sorry. Hey, Vice Chair Prezelt. Seems like we have everyone now, so we can begin whenever you're ready. Okay, good evening and welcome to the Thursday, July 8th regular meeting of the Historic Preservation Committee. Madam Clark, can you please call roll? Committee member Houston. Here. Committee member Mercer. Here. Committee member Muller. Here. Vice Chair Prezel. Here. Okay. This is the time we set aside for public communication to talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak to us on any item not on the agenda this evening? No, not at this time. Thank you. Um, we are then able to move on to consent item number one, approval of the Historic Preservation Committee April 22nd, 2021 meeting minutes. Um, are there any edits or comments on the minutes?
Any edits or comments on the minutes, committee members? I don't have any. No. Okay, seeing none, may I have a motion and a second to approve the HPC April 2020, April 22nd, 2021 meeting minutes? I so move. And I'll second. Okay. Madam Clerk, could you please call the roll? Committee member Houston. Yes. Committee member Mercer. Committee member Mercer. Yes. Committee member Muller. Yes. Vice chair Purcell. Yes. The motion is passed. Okay, the next item on our agenda is formal item number two, project 15119, historic resource assessment of the property located at 1429 Poli Street. Um, do any committee members have ex parte communication regarding this project? Okay, seeing none, um, may we please have staff's presentation? I believe we have one this evening. Yes, thank you, Chair Rosengren and Senior Planner. Um, I'd like to start with uh, thanking you, and it's we're uh, here tonight talked about 1429 Poli Street. Next slide, please. So 1429 Polite Street is a residence on the north side of Polite located on the border of the downtown and midtown communities. And it is directly across from the Cemetery Memorial Park. Next slide. The residence was built in 1895 and it's one of the earliest residences of the Buena Vista Tract which was part of an eastward neighborhood expansion out from the downtown area. And it is associated with the city's second land boom, resulting from the expansion of the railroad network. And it's one of the few residents left from this era. Next slide. And we're here tonight because when the owner's representative reached out to city staff about the development potential for the site, we informed them that while the property was evaluated in the 1980s and was not identified as a potential local landmark, uh, an historical assessment would be required to determine if there is any historical significance that we weren't aware of because of the age of the structure. And then for this purpose, historic resources group out of Pasadena was contracted to prepare a phase one historic assessment of the property. Adjacent structures at the northeast corner of Aliso Street and Poli, which includes 1407 Poli Street and 124 North Aliso Street, were included in the, in the assessment. However, the focus of today's agenda is on 1429 Poli Street. And to clarify, this item doesn't include a request to designate the property a landmark or a point of interest. The narrow focus of tonight is for the HPC to make a recommendation on the historical significance of the property and to discuss next steps. Next slide. The parcel is relatively flat, has a low retaining wall along the front, 
and the uh, property is accessed by some concrete steps from the sidewalk along Poli, and there's a concrete driveway located, located along the eastern um, property line. Next slide. 800G states in the report that 1429 is an example of a residential vernacular style, which was very common in the late 19th century and early 20th century. The, the term residential vernacular is used when the residence is a simple wood frame structure with no distinctive features. And were typically built by builders from kits or plan books with little to no input from architects. The character defining features for residential vernacular are, are listed on the slide with the characteristics found in at 1429 Poli Street underlined. So as you can see, the residence is consistent with many of the residential vernacular character defining features, except for the alterations that have taken place that are inconsistent with that style. And that includes some vinyl and aluminum replacement windows, um, the enclosuring of the front porch, and additions to the rear. Next slide. For a property to be considered eligible for to be listed on the National Register or the California Register, a building must have a quality of significance in American or California history, architecture, engineering, or culture, and be associated with one of the listed four criteria. If it meets one of the criteria, then it must possess sufficient historic integrity to convey that significance. HRG found no evidence that 1429 Poli would be eligible as a national or state landmark. Next slide. For a property to be considered eligible as a local landmark, it must be found to be unique or significant because of its location, design, setting, materials, workmanship, or aesthetic feeling and to be associated with one of the listed criteria on this slide. A discussion of how the property compares to each criteria is located within HRG's report. And it concludes that while 1429 Poli is one of the few existing properties from the second land boom expansion and reflects an important part of the local history, because it's been altered over time, including the porch addition on the primary facade and the several rear additions, it no longer retains sufficient integrity to be eligible. Detailed discussion of the integrity is also included in HRG's report. Next slide, please. In addition to landmark eligibility, HRG's report also evaluated the property for point of interest eligibility, of which the municipal code has three criteria. Of the three criteria, the report found that the property may be eligible under criteria B, which is that the property has historic significance, but it was altered to the extent that in the integrity of the original workmanship materials or style is substantially compromised. Next slide. To summarize, staff concurs with HRG's conclusion that due to the several alterations that have occurred at the property and the resulting loss of integrity, that 1429 Poli Street is not eligible as a local landmark. It may be eligible as a point of interest. And while the code prohibits the demolition and unlawful relocation of a landmark, it does not preclude the demolition of a point of interest. Uh, the applicant is communicating a willingness to pursue point of interest designation if recommended, but has no interest at this time in landmark designation. Next slide. 
So consistent with the emergency streamlining ordinances, uh, ordinance, the HPC's recommendation will be forwarded to the administrative hearing officer for final action. Staff's recommendation is for the HPC to recommend that the single family residence at 1429 Coli is not historically significant as a potential landmark. Second, that the property is eligible as a potential point of interest. And third, to recommend that the demolition of the existing buildings on site be permitted. If the administrative hearing officer determines the pro property is not eligible as an historic landmark, then no further review would be required as part of the future development application. And additionally, the property owner could move forward with requesting a point of interest designation. That concludes my presentation, but we did want to let you know that the applicant and Etheridge is here tonight, as well as Christine Lazaretto of HRG, who prepared the phase one assessment and will assist staff in answering any questions or elaborate on the phase one report analysis and conclusions. Thank you. Great, Jared, thank you so much for the presentation. Um, do any of the committee members have questions of staff? Mr. Muller. Well, this might be a question for the staff or, or the applicant uh, or uh, the consultant. And, and that is, uh, from what I understand, uh, this is one of the first or maybe the first tract area in the eastward expansion uh, very early on in the city's history. Uh, and that um, there are either very few or no other uh, buildings extant that would uh, represent that period of history. And uh, my question is, is that correct? Did uh, I overlook something? I, I did a quick look of Ventura landmarks. There's a couple of residences from that period, but they're not uh, part of that tract and, and they, you know, they have different styles and so on. So is, is the basic assumption correct that uh, there are uh, no other uh, suitable landmarks for that particular tract. I, I would ask uh, Christine from HRG if she's able to answer that question. Um, but I, I, I think you are um, correct in that. I've gone ahead and made uh, Christine a panelist, and I'm going to also move Anne up this time as well. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, I believe that um, there were relatively few. This tract was um, an early subdivision in terms of the eastward expansion of the city and sort of moving away from the original downtown area. It was relatively sparsely developed. Um, certainly when you look at the Sanborns, even into the late 1920s, there were relatively few parcels that had been developed by that time. And then after the war, we see it built out. So I don't believe there are um, many resources from this period in this tract that are extant. Mr. Miller. Well, I have a, a follow on to that. Um, and, and that is, um, well, uh, in your, in your um, conclusions, uh, you know, this, this property is seen as, uh, qualifying as, as a potential landmark, but is basically been disqualified on the basis of integrity. Um, and, and partly this may be my confusion. Um, but there seemed to be not a lot of detail about precisely what it was 
other than some general features uh, that that uh, degraded the integrity of the building. Uh, you know, there's there's a story about the porch being added in 1928. There's some other uh, rear um, uh, additions, um, and and I guess my confusion stems from if if something is of a uh, you know residential vernacular style and people are adding things to it uh, vernacularly, so to speak, uh, does that in fact uh, constitute, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a degradation of the integrity? Or what criteria did you use to determine other than the, the temporal displacement between the construction of the house and the addition? Uh, what criteria is there uh, to, uh, to say that this is in fact uh, you know a loss of integrity, I realize you had to kind of do this from the sidewalk, and you couldn't go up and maybe you know touch or feel the texture or the materials. But uh, what more can you uh, tell us about uh, your conclusions on the integrity? Um, sure, thank you for that question. And you know, I guess I, I would like to preface this answer by saying that. This was a difficult assessment and there was a difference of opinion among our internal discussions as we were evaluating this building. And I can certainly understand um, where the questions are coming from. Like I said, this was not a, a simple case as they often are not when you're looking at potential historic significance. Um, so I would say a couple of things. First is that when you're looking at a building that's relatively simple and does not have a lot of distinguishing features to begin with, once you start adding elements and removing elements, it, it, it very quickly starts to lose, lose its historic integrity. And when you're looking at guidance from the National Park Service and other places in terms of how to look at these things, you know, they say it really needs to have more than just, you know, sort of the minimal you know, um, massing and, you know, form and massing that it needs to retain more of its original characteristics. So I would say in the case of this house and part of the difficulty is, of course, many of the alterations were done without permits. So we don't have a definitive documentation of all of the changes that happened over time. But one of the primary considerations, and I will say we had several staff members who felt strongly about this, is that once you significantly alter the primary facade. So this was an originally an L-shaped building with a recessed entry. And now you have this um, projecting porch um, comprising more than half of the primary facade that was added much later. And we're surmising in the late 1920s, but it's possible that it, it was later than that. We're, we're not sure 100% on the date. But that was a, a feeling that that was really a, a significant alteration because it's changing the primary facade of the building and the way it looked historically from the street. And then also in looking at the, the additions that happened in the rear, which again appear to be largely unpermitted, so we don't have a lot of dates, which is why, to your question, Commissioner, that there isn't a lot of documentation of everything that happened over time. This was largely done with visual observation that the original size and massing of the building was extended several times over time. And so now you have a much larger residence than what it what it was originally. And then you add to that that we have some window replacements and an aluminum sliding door added that is certainly not in keeping with the original character. 
it was felt that the accumulation of those changes have altered the building so that it really is no longer reflecting its appearance in 1895, which is when this would have been significant as an example of this early residential development in the area. So again, your, your points are well taken, and I'm certainly not here to say that this was very cut and dry and it was an easy evaluation. Um, we had a lot of internal discussion. I will also say that, you know, because we're in the midst of working on the Historic Resources Survey, we've had field teams out who have looked at not just this tract, but the totality of the development of Ventura over time. And your city has a, a number of resources from the late 19th century. And so also sort of looking at this in comparison with some of the other properties from that period, um, that was also taken into account when we were considering the eligibility of this building. So um, I would say, you know, it really was the accumulation of all of those factors that, that led us to the um, evaluation of a potential point of interest. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Lazaretto. Uh, committee member Houston. I have a question that I guess might be a legal question. Um, there was a statement that the owner is not interested in um, landmark designation or even probably even point of interest. I mean, in terms of going through the process to have it designated. But I guess my question is, we're looking at eligibility for listing. Um, and I don't know how that affects the ordinance as far as, um, okay, so it's, the ordinance requires owner, um, approval of designation, but if we're not actually looking at designation and just for eligibility, does that make any difference in terms of whether they can demolish without, if, if we said it's eligible as a landmark, even though they have no interest in designating it as a landmark, it's still eligible, I'm thinking of, the National Historic Preservation Act and the fact that um, owner consent is required for listing on the National Register. However, if there's going to be um, an impact from a federal undertaking under Section 106, um, if the property is eligible, no matter what the owner feels about it, they still have to go through a process it's still treated as eligible as right as a resource as though, yeah as though it is um on the register so is that the case in in the city of ventura um committee member houston maybe i can chime in and then andy if you have anything additional to add um you are to answer briefly, you're correct. So if it's it's designated as, or you determine or recommend and the administrative hearing officer um, takes action saying that it is an eligible landmark, then yes, they would not be able to demolish or make mod modifications to the structure because it's an eligible landmark. Okay, without going through HPC without going through the process, correct. Um, that, um, but then the owner would need to be amenable to landmarking the designation. So you do get stuck in, in this 
place where um, it's eligible, but we also need owner authorization to designate as a landmark. Okay. Committee member Mercer. I am not entirely comfortable with um, the conclusions from the report. I certainly see where they're coming from with some of the additions, but it seems I would like more discussion on this with the committee. It seems like the original house is pretty much intact. Yes, there were some additions, but when I look at this house, it's what would signify it as important to that era still stands. Um, I don't see things that were removed um, just added to. I don't know that that really significantly changes the core of what we're looking at. Committee Member Mercer, I believe we'll definitely have a time to get into that in detail. Do you, did you have a specific question of staff at this time? Sorry, no. <laughs> um, any other committee members have questions of staff? And I believe I read on the agenda that we would be able to address staff once we deliberate, as well as um, Ms. Lazaretto, we will be able to reopen public comment if we have further questions of her or of staff. But any other questions for staff at this point? Um, my only question, I just wanted to clarify. So um, points of historical interest are not considered CEQA resources then, is my understanding correct? Correct. Okay. Okay, that's the only outstanding question I had. So um, Madam Clerk, do we have any members of the public who would like to speak to us on this item? Yes, we do. Uh, we're gonna start with Tammy Coulter. Tammy, I'm gonna unmute you and make you a panelist if you'd like to turn on your camera. Hey, Tammy, you have been- Sorry, can we pause for a moment before public comment? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, the applicant has an opportunity to make a presentation or statement to the committee member um, and, and then we can go to public comment. Sorry about and that. I, no, that's okay. And I believe the applicant is here this evening. She is. She yes. has been made a panelist and she can turn on her camera if she wishes. And I apologize for my gestures. I couldn't get myself to unmute. Hello, everyone. I'm Ann Etheridge and I'm the applicant for this historical resource assessment. Um, thank you for taking the time to hear um, my thoughts. Um, I'm currently an escrow on this property. I am not the owner of this property. Um, first of all, I just wanna thank the committee um, for all the work that you do for the city. And I wanted to thank the, the city um, uh, staff for helping me through this process, especially Jared. Um, I just wanted to say a few things about myself and about my intentions. I don't wanna take up too much of your time, but I'm happy to answer any of your questions. Um, I am a, a, a real advocate for uh, historic buildings. Um, it's kind of been bred into me. Um, as, as a child, my parents um, renovated, I spent much of my childhood renovating an 1865 farmhouse. 
And um, as such, I have a kind of a deep appreciation for saving the historically relevant buildings from our past. Um, and um, so, at, and, and as it turns out, that, that property that my parents spent all that time renovating ended up making it on to the National Historic Register. And um, that was because of, it was a simple construction, but it was a very unique construction in, in the architectural design of that building. Um, I fast forward to now, and I am um, an owner of two properties in Ventura currently, both of which are almost um, uh, 100 years old. They were both built in the 1920s, and um, I have really enjoyed um, spending my time and my energy and my funds to uh, maintain their character and to bring them kind of back, I guess you could say. Um, I have come to know Ventura through my partner, Robert, whose family um, is, has deep roots in, in Ventura. And um, I um, have really grown to, to love this city and, and the 20 years that we've been together I have really grown fond of this place and in particular of this property. Um, I have kind of always dreamed about this property from the time that I have uh, been in Ventura. And um, as I watched it over the years kind of go into um, disrepair and, and to me seem abandoned, um, I thought maybe there might be a chance that I, that it might go up for sale and that maybe I could be um, an owner of the property and bring it kind of kind of back. Um, so now here we are and I am, am lucky to be an escrow in this property. Um, however, when I when I went into the building for the first time, um, I was sad to see the state that the building is in. Um, it hasn't been lived in for over seven years and um, it wasn't really well maintained before that, unfortunately. Um, I, it, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speak directly to the report, but um, all of the additions to the property um, have been done very poorly and with no permitting. Um, and um, it's just kind of a, a shame to see uh, uh, that kind of work done on the building. Um, as such, um, because it's in such bad shape, I, I really feel personally it's inhabitable. Um, and so it's my intention that I would like to um, demolish the home and the garage on the property if I was to own it. And I'd like to rebuild the single family dwelling that would honor the landmark building site. Um, my, my intention would be that the building would, would echo the past, but be designed for the future. So it would, I would try to incorporate as many, um, you know, green, designs as possible. Um, and additionally, I know that the property is zoned for um, a multiple family residence. Um, so I am, I would be my intention to also add a, uh, one to two uh, rental units, small rental units on the property as well that would be integrated seamlessly into the property. Um, as somebody who loves and respects uh, historic properties, um, I really want to maintain the original feel of this home and this land, um, because I think it's a really beautiful piece of property. And I think, um, I think my, uh, my plan would be great for the neighborhood. 
uh, and for the city of Ventura. So thank you so much. That's that's all I wanted to say at this time. Thank you so much. And are we mm -hmm. able to are we able to respond with questions for the applicant? Yes. Okay. Um, do any committee members have questions of the applicant? Okay, seeing none at this time. And we will be up, oh, committee member Houston, go ahead. I guess I will um, ask that I appreciate uh, everything that you've had to say and uh, thank you. What is the condition of the 1895 part of the building? Of that, you know, the original part? Right. Um, we did not, we had um, some consultants come in and, and look at the property, or I did. I, I didn't go deep, deep, deep into that dive because it seemed on the face of it very in, in great disrepair. But there are extensive um, cracks in the, in the walls, horizontal cracks in the walls that show major foundation problems. Um, I'd say there are holes, multiple holes in the floor and ceiling. Um, there are, you know, uh, evidence of water leaks throughout the property. Um, it was actually originally, I'm pretty sure, even though it, I mean, maybe Christine would, would correct me, but it's currently in the, in the form it's in, it's, it's a multifamily dwelling. And I feel like it was built that way, um, but I could be wrong. But the beginning, the, the front part of the building that is the, is the original part of the building um, is in pretty bad shape. It, it also, the floor is, has, it, it's sagging and has different, uh, different elevations. Thank you. Do any other committee members have questions for the applicant at this time? Committee member Muller. Well, again, thank you for your uh, comments. Uh, very helpful. Um, do you, uh, should you become the owner of the property, have any uh, opinion or um, decision about uh, pursuing this as a point of interest? Yeah, um, I would be, um, I would definitely consider that. Um, I, I don't know enough about it. I've, I've just been a little bit educated from Jared um, um, about that designation, but it sounds like from what he's told me that I would be, I would be able to, I would be willing to consider it. Yes. Thank you. Any other questions of the applicant at this time? Thank you so much for your comments. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, Thank and you. If we have no other questions for the applicant, I believe we can move on to public comment. All right, we'll be starting with Tammy Coulter. Yes. Tammy, yes. I have gone ahead and unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you very much for the time that you're spending on this property and and helping really us understand a lot of this side of it that we don't see. Um, I know looking at these pictures, it, this this home actually looks very beautiful. Um, you know, looking at the pictures, it looks like it's in pretty good shape. 
me myself i have actually been in the property i have been in the property with ann and we have met with many consultants and the integrity of this property as ann was saying has completely um been compromised um the contractors that we met with the floors and the whole structure of the underneath um, had completely been compromised and I know originally Anne had spoke about um, wanting to renovate this property when she first saw this property when she was interested in it and then after getting the experts out there we were very very disappointed to see how it had turned um, there was a lot more that went along with this property than meets the eye not to mention all of the additions that has already been spoke about. Um, the walls are absolutely completely bowing and I'm sorry, I don't know if Christine, did you have access to the interior of this property? I'm not sure, but um, it looks a lot different on the inside. And I know we were kind of going um, around and round about, is this a historical property or not? And from my understanding, Nobody famous has lived there. Um, there wasn't really any structure that was really unique or rare besides the age itself. And with having so many um, different parts to it that actually had been added in additions that were not permitted. Um, and also speaking with the owners, this property has not been occupied in, more than 10 years. Um, I know Ann mentioned seven. It's actually been over 10 years. And that's because of the, the safety concern. Um, they felt it wasn't a safe enough place to have anybody inside and live in. There's um, what appears to be black mold and throughout the property. Um, there is a lot that's going on there. So I just wanted to give my information and speak about this property. I, I support Anne and I know she's going to make it beautiful. Um, I know she has the intent to live there with her family and um, just kind of wanted to lay that out there. I don't know if I introduced myself. I apologize. <laughs> Again, my name is Tammy and I've been going through this process with Anne um, and representing her in selling this property. So I apologize for not. Time has expired. All right. Thank you very much thank for you. your time. Thank you. All right. We're going to be moving on to Kristen Barros. Kristen, you've been unmuted. Hi. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. And I'm with my husband, Steve. So we're going to sort of share our six minutes. So we live at 1407 Poli, which is the property next door and is in the report. Um, and we just wanted to talk a little bit. When we moved in um, 10, 11 years ago here, we got to know the two elderly ladies who owned the house. They were descended. I don't know if they're still alive or not because they were quite old at the time. So I'm assuming since it's being sold, they're either not, not with us or incapacitated. Um, but they were the descendants of the original owner. So this property has been owned by the Wilbur family and its descendants since 1895. Um, and they took a lot of pride in that. Um, 
they told us that the original owners are buried across the street. Um, and they were, they were quite, and, and that family also originally owned our house as well. And so when we were making changes and adding a garage to the back of our house, they were quite concerned about the integrity of how we were um, updating the property. They definitely kept an eye on us and we worked with them um, to do things that they felt preserved the legacy of their family. So we wanted to share that. I don't know if the Wilbers were important people. They were certainly important to these two ladies, um, but they are apparently buried across the street. So we wanted to share that. And I'm gonna give the rest of the time to my husband, Steve. So hi, thank you for um, giving us this opportunity to speak. Uh, I can speak to, as to, uh, yeah, the property does need some repair. You know, it's 130 years old. Things were changed over 130 years. Uh, the actual structure is still standing. Um, yeah, there were aluminum windows added and a porch enclosed, but hey, things changed change over 130 years. Um, as to the condition of the property, yeah, it needs, it needs some work. Our house next door, which had been continuously occupied, um, Need a lots of those repairs, including foundation, uh, bowed, uh, bowed uh, floors, and in um, you know uh, walls. Uh, but I think the integrity of the the structure still is still there, and I appreciate um, the current uh, applicants' uh, intent to uh, preserve and. Uh, I, I, I like what she what she's done in the past, but uh, you know, across the street from a monstrosity that was probably built in the '80s, and I think that there was some structure such as the one that we're considering now, or more, that is no longer there. Um, you know. So we, you're you're referring to the apartment building that's across the street on the northwest side. Yeah. Of, of yeah. Um, the the intersection. So we would like we would like for whoever buys this thing to keep the integrity of the neighborhood alive. Um, see what's going on down down the hill with all the new stuff going up. Boy, you know there is it, it just yeah. I like to see Ventura grow and and uh, I love this place, but. Uh, you know, all the stuff that you're mentioning is stuff that can be fixed. We have done it next door. Um, but, you know, I like to work with, you know, if it's not this applicant, whoever's uh, coming up, you know, if she backs out, if this thing doesn't work, we would like to keep the integrity of the neighborhood together. Yeah, we, de we definitely want to work with the owners of whoever ends up being the owners next door, for sure. And understanding that the legacy that was passed on to us by these two, yeah. two ladies. The, 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 the ladies that were the descendants were up until four years ago, they were here, one of them was here every week, making sure that the yard was kept up, um, the gophers were kept at bay. Um, so, you know, to say that the place needs some help, absolutely. 
to say it's beyond repair, eh, I'm not so sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. All right, we're gonna be moving on to Shanoa Curran. Shanoa, you have been unmuted. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Shanoa Curran. I work downtown at Live Sotheby's and I am representing the sellers, the Wilbur Family Trust. There are four heirs. It was originally their great grandparents who actually built this home. So they do, um, they have a lot of sentimental ties, but are not interested at, uh, at this time of, of considering trying to make it any sort of landmark or point of interest. They would just like to sell it to someone who can um, t carry on uh, with renovating the property. They um, have left it uninhabited for the last 10 years. Um, it's been, it's in really bad condition. My husband and I renovate homes. We actually renovated 732 Poli a couple years ago. And I, um, I love old homes. I have a passion for old homes. I felt like we were able to maintain the integrity of, of the, of 732 Poli um, and bring it back to life. It was uh, extreme expense. We had no idea. And I, I um, know that with construction costs, I mean, lumber's up 300% this year right now for, um, for renovation projects. So the fact that Anne is even willing to uh, undertake this project, I view it as like su as such a gift to the city because she really does have impeccable taste. She has a passion for older homes and the history and I feel like it would be just a really uh missed out on opportunity to uh pass up on her contribution to what she would do to uh this space and structure all of the the calls that I have received far majority are all developers that want to know how many units how many homes um we did get other offers from different buyers that were I mean, as, as you all know, it's zoned R35 and it's two different parcels. All of them were just ready to bulldoze this place and start over. And so having Anne stick around this long too, thank you for your patience, Anne. I feel like it's just, uh, she really is putting her, her heart and her best foot forward and wants to do right by the city and by, by um, downtown. And, I, I would just really urge you guys to um, keep that into consideration because if she does end up passing because of not getting the information she needs, it's just, it's just going to be a shame. Um, thank you so much though for your, uh, your work and what you guys have done. It's really exciting to see all the new. Um, Shanoa, your time has expired. All right, I'm going to go ahead and um, unmute Cassie Stonefelt. Cassie, you've been unmuted. You may begin speaking. Okay, thank you. So my name is Cassie Stonefelt, and I work with my sister Tammy, and we represent Anne, um, representing her in the sale of this home. And to be honest, this house was a dream that she told us about 
when we first met her and she I can speak of her character and she is top notch. She she has very good taste and I've seen the home she's done already and it would only be it would only improve Ventura honestly. So I just wanted to speak of her character and just the the amount of love and she's going to put into this home. So she is not an investor and as Shanoa mentioned there are you know where lots of investors want this type of property but she really wants to make it a home and her forever home and really keep that character and that that beauty of that home so I think it would be amazing if Anne could be the owner of this home she would just be an amazing uh, homeowner so I just wanted to mention those things and um, I appreciate your time thank you Thank you. Thank you. That concludes our public speakers for this evening. Okay, great. Thank you to all the members of the public who spoke and thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, at this time, I believe we will close the public hearing and go into deliberations on this item. Who would like to begin? Committee member Houston. I have a few more questions of Christine Lazaretto, if possible. Um, Andy, can you advise, are we able to just, are we able to I guess public comment would stay open. Yeah, just reopen the public uh, comment period uh, for the questions and then close it again. Okay, so we will go ahead and um, if anyone else has questions specifically for Ms. Lazaretto, let's get those ready for her so we can we can open and close public comment. Um, we can always open it again, but um, so we'll go ahead and open again public comment for Ms. Lazaretto and go ahead committee member Houston. So I read through the report um, a couple of times and I wanted to ask about the front porch um, and that the original building was an L-shaped building because going back, to, I, I, I don't see that anywhere in the, the report. And when I looked, I went by the building today and looked at it from the outside and to me, the porch the siding on the porch um, looks like it matches the rest of the house and it would be logical that the building originally had a porch and to me possibly the alteration is only the enclosure with the windows um, and it's hard to tell when that might have been done the the two windows on like the the corners look like they match the rest of the, or at least the windows on the front side there. I mean, on the front um, gable facade. So I just wanted to ask more about that particular um, interpretation that you all came up with that, that the front porch was added um, and or enclosed. Uh, and what yes. the evidence that was. Yes, thank you for that question. Um, and I am 
looking through again because permits are are there weren't a lot of permits, but I think there was evidence based on the historic maps that normally would show a dotted line where a porch um, exists on a property like this um, wasn't there. And there was some, um, in looking at visual observation, just seeing the way the, the cross gable roof of the main portion of the building, how it interfaces with the shed roof over the porch. It's, it, it's clear based on visual observation that that shed roofed portion was added after the fact it would have been more integrated had it been an original portion of the or you know if, if that had been originally part of the house and i apologize that i don't have it right at my fingertips but i know based on all of the historic resource research that we did there were several members of our team that came to the same conclusion that this porch was added okay um it, I guess I, I feel like we don't know when it was added. <clears throat> so it's very possible that it was added five years after it was built. Or do you have um, something that indicates later than that? We had, we are speculating that it may have been added in the late 1920s. And then there also is actually a permit from the 1950s that could also have um, related to that alteration. So we don't think it came very early in its history. We think it probably came in in the 20s, which also corresponds to when we see the property starting to be officially um, used as a duplex. So, you know, it sort of corresponds with some other changes that were happening in the property at that time. Okay, thank you. Any other questions for Ms. Lazaretto specifically? Okay, seeing none, we'll go ahead and close um, public comment for now and open our deliberation back up. Um, did any of my committee members want to um, jump in? Mr. Muller. Well, I'd first like to thank the uh, the public speakers for their input. It's good to know there's a lot of um, people, uh, you know, with a, uh, a sense of, of the history of Ventura who want to see it preserved in some way. Um, I was just going to maybe point out to them uh, that the condition of a property has nothing to do with its value as a historical landmark. Uh, the condition can be rehabilitated if it's the determined to be a landmark. And of course, that involves using similar materials and you know, uh, probably doubling the uh, expense and effort of, of rehabilitating a, a property that might be in, in the shape that uh, we described. Um, so um, with that said, um, I am um, feeling the same way about the porch. Uh, you know, the uh, bulletin 15 of, uh, of the um, uh, national, uh, you know, uh, interior, department says that uh, ultimately integrity comes down to does the property project the same feel uh, and uh, you know as, as was intended when it was built and and I think there's at least a uh, you know a close uh, division of opinion on this um, it, it may be ultimately that the uh, porch can be shown to be uh, an, an addition that uh, violates the integrity of it from 1895, 
but then again, uh, if it's uh, you know a uh, a construction uh, such as as that, does, does that really make a difference? Uh, and that's kind of where we are uh, deciding on this. Um, I guess for me, uh, this is certainly uh, an historical property in that it represents the beginning of the tract developments to the east of downtown that continue even today. And, uh, you know, is basically the destiny of the growth of the city in the 20th century. So this is this is kind of an important uh, landmark. And it's good to hear that the potential property owners are, are working uh, to preserve that legacy in some way. But um, it, it just sounds like uh, <clears throat> to determine this to be historical uh, landmark uh, material, then then suddenly this imposes uh, more than uh, a buyer might want to have to invest to uh, bring it up to uh, a state of um, 1895 in good order. Thank you, committee member Muller. Committee member Mercer. Um, yes, as I stated before, just at the wrong time, I. Um, <laughs> This building maintains the character, in my opinion. Um, there are additions, um, but it doesn't look like the um, um, the core has been violated in any way. And I want to read from the Secretary of Interior's standard for rehabilitation. Um, it says most properties change over time. Those changes that have acquired historic significance in their own right shall be retained and preserved, which to me brings us back to the porch. And I understand that it's um, a guess as to when it was added, but if it was in the 20s, um, I think that would make it historic in its own right. Um, you know, without harming the initial structure. So I think that we need to look at that. Thank you, committee member Mercer. Committee member Houston. Um, thank you. I agree with what both committee member Mercer and community committee member Muller have said. Um, and I, I noticed that ne um, neither one or no one has really mentioned the rear additions um, as being particularly part of this question. And uh, speaking for myself, um, I feel like the, the 1895 part is really the significant part of this building. And it is clear even from looking at the photos of the building that the, the rear additions were not well done, um, not well built. And in my opinion, if they were taken away, uh, I mean, removed, that would not cause a loss of integrity to this building. Um, so if the, the original portion of it could be maintained and rehabilitated um, and further additions on the back could be added or, or whatever, the, we've certainly approved things like that in the past. We generally don't have a problem with with additions and changes to the rear of buildings. Um, and the whole, I guess this whole thing seems to hinge on integrity. 
because the report itself says, yes, the building is historically significant. Um, the, the main question seems to be integrity. And I guess I agree with the other committee members that it's still that 1895 portion, uh, the front portion of the building does seem to retain it to me integrity. Um, I would also like the property owner to be aware of the Mills Act and the fact that that could apply, um, I believe could apply here and that the funds that she would be um, investing in rehabilitating the property and maintaining it over time uh, would uh, allow her to lower her property tax. Thank you. Committee I guess that's all I have to say. Um, since I've heard from all of you, I will jump in. Um, it seems like I hear the consensus. I'll, I'll speak for myself. Um, I think that the report, the consultant report makes it very clear that we're dealing with a property that has significance. So I think this really just comes down to integrity. Um, and has evaluated many buildings in her career. I've also evaluated buildings in my career. And I, in my professional opinion, I believe that this building retains sufficient integrity to be eligible as a landmark, a Ventura landmark. I, I think we're dealing with a building that's pre-1900. And as Mr. Muller noted earlier, changes are made over time. And we don't know the date of this porch enclosure or addition. So I think that's something that um, we're all lacking. But even, even if it's clear that that is an addition to me in a pre-1900 building of which there are relatively few in Ventura, to me, it's not enough. I know there are other considerations as well, the rear additions, a few windows, but to me, cumulatively, it's it's not enough to suggest lack of integrity, especially when we're talking about a Ventura landmark. The threshold is lower for, you know, Ventura landmarks when, when you're looking at the three registers. Um, both the National and the California Register do have integrity thresholds. Our code does not technically have an integrity threshold. I, as a professional, don't think that's great, and I wouldn't advocate for a code not having that. But the fact is that we we don't have one currently in Ventura. So we, I do also still believe the building should retain sufficient integrity to convey its significance, and I believe that it does. So um, I also 100% here where the applicant and the applicant team is coming from. Um, and I, I recognize that it can be very costly, which is why when I look around me right now in my 1920s house, it's, it's, believe me, I totally understand it. And my home did have holes in the floors when I moved in and I get it. I know it's expensive and I know it's hard to find contractors in Ventura that want to even work on these things. So I think that's really unfortunate, but our purview is really to decide if if we think that this thing has enough integrity integrity to be a landmark and 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 I believe that it does, and I believe the consensus is that it does as well. And I hope that doesn't prevent it sounds like this potential owner would be a great fit. 
and hopefully we could work together to make something work still on this property for this applicant. Um, it would be really fun to work with this applicant on on this building that's still here and there's some room on this property to potentially add still and committee member Houston also mentioned the um, the rear additions coming off potentially. I mean, there's still really a lot of options with retaining the building that's currently there. So those are my thoughts. And I'm not exactly sure where we go from here because the consensus is that um, we all believe we have an eligible property here. Uh, committee member Mercer. Uh, yes, I probably should have asked the consultant and slipped my mind, but um, I noticed the trees on the property, which are very, very old. Has that been considered, um, you know, as um, landmark status as well? Can we move Christine back up to a panelist? And um, Madam Clerk, if we just can keep her on as a panelist. She has been moved up. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wasn't sure if I could still answer, but um, yes, thank you for that question. Uh, we did not evaluate the trees as potential historic trees. Our, our scope of work was for the buildings um, to take a look at whether they were eligible um, or whether particularly this house was eligible as a landmark. Thank you. Are the um... Are the trees on the property I'm, or is that city property? Committee member Mercer, are you referring to the palm trees that are in the parkway? Like, those are city trees. Those are not on the property. Um, did any other committee members want to share any more thoughts about the property? Committee member Miller. Well, the, the discussion has revolved all, all evening around the idea of integrity. And, um, you know, my initial remarks, I, I thought uh, there was a conclusion about the integrity of this property, but not too many details as to what supported that, especially in light of the fact that we're dealing with uh, you know, uh, a, a kind of a rough and ready uh, architecture here. There's there's no style or architect involved and very few plans. So what was intended and what is, you know, considered to be uh, part of the uh, feeling or or spirit of the place is is a little, um, little unclear. Uh, uh, so my suggestion was going to be to consider uh, requesting further study specifically on the integrity of the parts that have been identified as questionable. Committee member Houston. I think, um, I mean, I hate to drag this out for the applicant. And I think I would rather make a motion now if people are feel ready that we believe that the building meets the landmark criteria and see um, and I guess I would further say that it's the 1895 portion that would be the landmark, not including the rear additions 
or the garage, which would allow the most um, flexibility for the owner. Is that a motion? So I'm making that as a motion so you can discuss it or second it or whatever you want to do. <laughs> Committee member Mercer. Um, would that include the addition of the porch that it's a maybe if it were built in the 20s might be historical in its own right? I don't know what to say. I mean, I'd like to allow the most flexibility possible for the owner. Well, really our, what we need to decide on is if we believe, let's see what the actual language would be. The single family residence at 1429 Poli Street. Um, so we could say the single family residence at 1429 Poli Street, excluding the rear additions and I don't know what we want to do with the porch, potentially the porch pending further study. I don't know if that's workable. Um, we don't know what, what, if the original front wall is there still or not behind it. And I guess it would kind of depend on that. Well, I would also, so if we make a motion to determine the single family residence at 1429 Pole Street, historically significant or eligible meets the criteria for as a potential landmark, honestly, future removal of additions or any of that would come through us again. So, I mean, those things would be discussed at the time of those projects. Um, so I think really the motion would just be to determine that the single family residence at 1429 Poli Street is historically significant and meets the meets the criteria as a potential landmark, city of Ventura landmark. Are you comfortable with that? I think I'd still I think I'd still like to to make a statement about the rear additions, not not being part of that significance. So that, you know, if there's a completely new HPC when it comes back again, that they don't have to fight that fight. I'm torn. I feel like we should keep it, keep it broad for now. Um, with the understanding that those things are going to get hashed out later. Um, but you can still make a motion to that effect. Well, how does it work? Do we second the motion and then, um, I mean, we've already discussed it. <laughs> does anybody have any thoughts on what the motion should be? If I may, yeah. Chair, um, so we have a motion and uh, we need a second. If there's no second, then somebody else can make a motion or somebody can propose an amendment to the motion and um, and then that could be seconded and voted on. And the current motion is to 
determine the single family residents, excluding the additions as being historically significant as a potential landmark? Yes. Look at the rear, the rear addition. Right. And if we could just be clear for the record that the motion is a recommendation to the administrative hearing officer um, for this, I just want to clarify that for the record. Yes. Thank you. Do we know um, what does the report say about the rear addition specifically? And does it have, I mean, you looked at the properties today, you said, so you said that they, I didn't, I haven't seen those up close. That's why I'm struggling to make a, a call on that. Um, does the report date the rear additions, generally speaking? Let's see. Um, actually, we I still have Christine here, so. Yeah, I think they were all more than 50 years old, but even from the photos, you can tell that they're sort of the middle part sinking into the ground. Um, yes, if it's appropriate, this is Christine, if it's appropriate for me to answer, I can tell you that we don't have definitive dates because none of them have corresponding permits. Mm -hmm. um, so it was based on aerial photographs and the map. So we just sort of know in general that they came later, but we don't have a specific date. Thank you. Member Mueller has his committee members. member Mueller. Thanks. Um, just to follow up on that a little bit, uh, if we are proposing to um, uh, state that the historic uh, structure from 1895 is what we're saying is eligible for an historic landmark, uh, and and we are willing to exclude the you know whatever additions. Um, can, uh, has the consultant, uh, have enough plans to be able to sort out what is what, uh, never mind the dates, but just, uh, anything later than 1895, can that be identified? I believe that based on the, and, and I would suggest, and, and perhaps the owner has already done this, you know, having a, a, an architect look more closely at the structure itself um, will help to identify exactly what was added over time. You, you can see it in the photographs, but there isn't, there are not drawings and there aren't permits. So um, I, I know that's not a helpful answer to your question, but you know, a, a lot of it is you could tell, you can see the different, you know, slightly different construction methodology, different root form, things that are, have clearly been added later. Um, and again, that don't appear in the original um, footprint of the building as shown in maps and what you can tell from historic aerials. Right, uh, thank you. Um, what you're saying then is that it can be determined even if you don't have documentation at this moment by, by observation, by experts, looking at the uh, actual structure. Uh, so we're not going to um, ask for something that can't be done. Uh, yes, it should be possible to, to have a, a, and I would definitely say a closer visual inspection would as well, because I think we have largely exhausted the archival documentation that's available just because there aren't a lot of records for this type of, of building. But, but yes, uh, the short answer to your question is someone should be able to um, 
with a fair amount of certainty determine what was added later. Thank you. So my feeling is maybe that we don't have enough information right now to necessarily exclude anything from the statement of potential eligibility, but that's my feeling, committee member Houston. I guess um, what I was talking about was in this photograph, it would be the cross gable part and not that what looks to be flat part behind it or the gabled addition onto that as what I consider the landmark. Uh, because I think those are all the, the two behind it are the later additions. I f I'm just, I'm still struggling with that because I, I just feel like it needs to be explored in a little bit more detail than we have right now, unfortunately. Um, does, does Christine, do you have any further information about that? I mean, those two particular additions on the back, are they both? I think they're both later, but still 50 years old or more. We believe they are later. I don't know um, if they're 50 years old or more. They, they could be. Um, so yes, I don't have any, I don't have anything more definitive about when they were added, only that they appear to be clearly additions to the original building, but, but I don't have documentation to support exactly when. Okay. Um, so does somebody want to modify my motion? I will make a motion to determine that the single family residence at 1429 Poli Street is historically significant as a potential landmark. Do I have a second? I will second. Okay. Madam Clerk, can we have a roll call? Yes. Committee member Houston. Yes. Committee member Mercer. Yes. Committee member Muller. No. Vice Chair Purcell. Yes. So we have three yeses and one no. So the, so, okay. So okay. the motion carries uh, with a recommendation to the administrative hearing officer to uh, that the 1429 Poli Street is uh, historically significant as a potential landmark. Okay. Okay, our next agenda item then is um, staff communication. Um, staff and committee members, um, do we have any items to report that may be of interest to the committee members and the public? Anything from staff? I, I see committee member Mueller's hand raised. Go ahead. Well, I have a question about uh, meeting. Um, 
you know, these virtual meetings have worked out pretty well, but is there something in the city about turning to uh, public meetings in the, in the, uh, in the chambers uh, in city hall? Thank you, committee member. I'm sorry, my mute button continues to keep sticking. Um, this month, the city council will be having its first hybrid meeting and the hybrid meeting would be that um, the, the city council themselves will be in chambers um, and members of the public will be able to attend, but also it will be um, also available for, for people to attend virtually still. I'm allowing for both options in this period. Uh, the city council will be the first um, board commission committee to, to do that. And uh, the rest of the boards and committees will continue to um, hold meetings virtually at this time. Um, that will change as we move forward and we'll, we'll slowly transition all the committees and commissions back. But for right now, all of the other boards and commissions will continue to meet virtually. And, and we'll keep the committee uh, apprised as things change and evolve. Thank you. Netta, were you planning on making an announcement about committee member Houston and committee member Mercer um, coming to the end of their, their terms? I did just want to um, recognize both of them. And I also wanted to express my concern about having my understanding is that we've found one new member um, and that will be moving forward with three members. And I, I'm very concerned about that moving forward, just in particular um, with the five day process, especially, honestly, I, I feel like we need to have some more quantity. I mean, I feel like good discussions, well-rounded discussions, having a group of people that's more than three would be very beneficial. Sometimes I feel like five is not a lot of people. I know it's a lot of folks to wrangle, but I, I was wondering about the, poten the potential of either of the committee members staying on if they were able or willing. Is that an option until we find replacements? Um, so thank you, Vice Chair Prezell. Um, the um, ARC, the committee that um, reviews applications and makes recommendations to um, the city council for appointees on all the boards and commissions did meet and review the applications for HPC. They did uh, select one applicant that they are re recommending uh, be appointed that will be heard by the city council um, next Monday at the July 12th meeting for appointment. Um, Committee members Houston and uh, Mercer, and I apologize, I'm speaking about you in the third person. Um, terms have expired, and, and the ARC committee was aware that this was going to be a three member committee for a period of time, and we're comfortable with that. We had a similar situation with um, our design review committee that had two committee members who resigned. And for about a six to eight month period operated as a three member board until it was filled. Um, and we found that to be very successful and, and work very successfully. Um, I understand it's not the ideal situation. Um, however, uh, 
member Houston has been serving, uh, looking for a replacement for, for a long period of time. And so we do want to relieve our committee members who are not reapplying. Um, and we will continue to re recruit and interview for applicants um, to fill the position. So uh, I understand it's not an ideal situation. However, the art committee um, is aware of the situation and, and so will city council be aware. Are we able to, is there any, I mean, if these, I mean, I obviously haven't, I haven't spoken in, in detail with either committee member Mercer or Houston, but if, if one or more of them were willing to stay on until somebody was found to replace them, would that be an option? Are we prevented from, from doing that? I would need to look into that a, a bit further. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I know that um, um, Member Houston has been doing that currently. I think um, Member Houston, please correct me if I'm wrong, since for over a year now. Um, I think I, think I didn't until August of, of whatever my, so it's not term, quite. Term was. Yes, I. I'm also concerned about this committee only having three members. I think that that would hamper um, the range of information and opinion shared. Um, I would really like to see those positions filled very quickly. And I would be willing to serve if that's what the council thought would be best until an another member is um, found to replace my, my position. I, I appreciate that and can look into that. I, I want to also uh, mention really, really quickly, the ARC, the committee that does make appointments is made up of council members. Okay, great. So yeah, if it's committee member Houston, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to mention that um, Ventura is a, a certified local government. Um, I think we're still certified <laughs> through the State Office of Historic Preservation. I checked their website the other day to see, and I guess we were certified in 2011, which was before my time on the committee. Um, but it does require that the committee have five members and that two of those members um, meet the, or be from professional, um, disciplines having to do with historic preservation, including architecture, anthropology, history, architectural history, et cetera. Um, so I, I'm just concerned that we don't wanna lose that status um, because it does give us some benefits in terms of access to training and information and grants from the state. Um, and I'm willing to stay on. I have beat the bushes as much as I can to, to see if there are people out there <laughs> who would like to sign up. And I think, I'm hoping that's how um, the replacement person came on. I saw her name and I um, I know her. So I'm happy that, that she's joining. Um, so anyway, I'm available if, if the ARC, however, whatever you called them, is willing to have people continue until the positions are filled. I promise to be to aggressively try to find replacements for you guys. I, I have not been extremely aggressive, but I will 
And um, I guess I would ask of staff if we could get some more information about this, if this option is possible, that would be greatly appreciated. If I, I believe it's the consensus, we didn't hear from Mr. Mueller, but I think it's the consensus that it, we would benefit from having at least five members. And so we would ask that um, members that are expiring be allowed to stay on if they're able and willing until we find replacements just for the benefits um, that their experience provides. Well, yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I think an odd number of members is best to avoid, you know, awkward ties in the yeah. event of vote. So three would work, it would be tight, but five is better. So if we could if we could look into that and just get some more information on on if that's possible, that would be greatly appreciated. And I promise I'll search. I'll search. Everyone who's listening, apply. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did we have any more uh, communication from staff? No, thank you. Okay, I believe then um, I will declare the meeting adjourned. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you.